for conversations with Principal of Profits Plus Solutions, here's your host, Tom Shea, and co-host, Bill Kendi. So, good evening. Welcome to everyone. Thank you for taking time on this Thursday night to come and be with us. I am your host, Tom Shea of Profits Plus Solutions. And we hold this program once a month to find experts within the industry who can come and share their expertise and uh, help all of us to build a, a better and bigger business for us. Uh, let me go through a couple of the details right quick before we bring all the other players into the scene. Uh, tonight's program is being recorded, as we do with all of them. It's going to be on the ProfitsPlus.org website in two formats. One is an MP3 format for those that are using iPod or other similar devices to uh, to download, and it's also available on the website in a click and listen format so that you can turn up your speakers, sit in your office, and just listen away to all the advice that you're going to receive tonight. Uh, during the course of the evening, we are going to be monitoring several forms of communication. If you are connecting uh, with me on Facebook, so when you got your invitation to this, down the left side there was a little link to uh, connect with me on Facebook. I'll be watching that to take any messages. Uh, and questions that people would have at the last minute. Uh, I will also be watching two emails, one of which is the Tom Shea at ProfitsPlus.org, and we will also be watching the editor at ProfitsPlus.org. That all being said, it will all be there for you. Uh, shortly after the program tonight, our information stud, uh, some people call him the geek, but he is the info stud of Profits Plus. Bruce Giroux will be massaging the, the files as we download it from the server, put it up on the website, and you'll be able to uh, pick off this program and invite you to share it with uh, definitely all of the people who work with you. Okay. <sighs> Quick pause. Being a Southerner, I don't normally have to speak that fast. I've spoken almost a day's worth of words. Uh, my co-host, uh, I'm glad to have him with you tonight. The gentleman who I give credit, the one who came up with what has been the winning format as to how the e-retailer conversation goes. Been a partner with us for a many, many years at this point and brings a lot of neat experience. He's um, a columnist for the folks at Selling Power Magazine and a whole bunch of other magazines. He's been around a, a long, long time with hundreds of writings. He speaks at trade shows and conferences. And that co-host is a gentleman coming to us from Holt, Michigan tonight, Bill Kendi. You there, Wild Bill? Bill, do we have you? Yeah, are you there? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I am, Guy. Uh, how are you doing okay. today, my son? You scared me there a moment. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome. It, it probably okay. just took an extra second or two for the words to thaw out before they got onto the phone line, I assume. Well, we, you know, I, I have the tendency to listen to respond, so I have to try to slow myself down. Okay. <laughs> Well, welcome, sir. Glad to have you. Glad you could be with me. Appreciate, uh, as always, that you would be here. So um, we think, because we've discussed this previous to tonight, that we've got a lot of information to uh, to share with people, so we probably ought to just, like, crank it up and get to it, right? You bet. Let's get going. Okay. All right. So here, and we have... Uh, with a little guidance from our guest tonight, we have a sample of a, hey, here's an idea of a song to go with. And so let's see, crank this up. Our guest tonight, coming to us from up in the cold area of Illinois, Christine Corelli. Christine's a conference speaker, business columnist, consultant, and the author of five business books, including the bestseller, Wake Up, Smell the Competition. Two over 200 works and leading publications, been on WGN, CNBC, has some really neat list of clients that she's worked with. And with that, we're going to take and welcome her hand in just a second here. So with that, Christine Corelli, are you out there tonight? I am so here. How is everyone tonight? We're, just We're glad to have you. <laughs> That's great. I am here. <laughs> I am ready, willing, and anxious mm. to have this wonderful conversation with you tonight. Well, we're glad you could come and be with us. I, I like the song picking. It's, you know, if it, 
We too have a have a theme song to our our show that we play at the very end every night uh, on cue of, of Bill. But this would be a good one, taking care of business, and that that is our purpose tonight. Yeah, so Christine's uh, been around. I Tell both Roy Bill and I have ran number. into her at events. We take and uh, have seen her at trade shows, conferences, and uh, like I said she has some nice. Uh, people that she works with. Uh, she's been uh, part of the PRI, Performance Racing People, SEMA, the big automotive industry, uh, Harley-Davidson. Oh, are they giving samples? Um, <laughs> don't you wish? Uh, don't we all wish? Uh, National Retail <laughs> Federation, the big mothership of, um, of retailing out there, and, and the list goes on from there. But um, that being said, we appreciate having Christine here because uh, tonight we're going to talk about that which makes um, everything happen. As one of the people in our store used to say, all of this may be great, but nothing happens till somebody sells something. Absolutely and with that thought true. in mind, then we better focus on, so what are we going to sell and what can we talk about selling? So um, the first thing I want to do, because this this was a, a friend of mine, I uh, was uh, talking with her last Friday in um, New Orleans. I met this this lady and and her husband uh, at an event last year. They run uh, multiple nice businesses. Well, we talked about it at our really excellent dinner that we had. And she said, I had a question I want to put before, and because it's my friend Mandy, uh, I want to take and put this question right up first. She's, she wants to ask Christine. So I'm looking for any uh, specific recommendations you've got that will teach people how to sell, whether it be programs, events, or something. You know, what would you tell people? Well, as far as um, sales, the question I believe is how to increase your sales and what type of programming and training program. The one thing I would recommend is to Find a sales training program or a book that is specific for your particular industry because a lot of people will say, oh, this program is great, this program is great. It's only great if it is specific to your industry because otherwise if it's a generic program, it, people, it doesn't relate to people. And so training for sales would include, of course, reinforcement of sales 101, what are features, what are benefits, and then, of course, the most important, uh, sales communication, um, responding to objectives, uh, objections rather, words and phrases that sell, um, how to influence the buyer, why they should buy, do business with you, and also negotiation. Those things are all important. Then, of course, building relationships. So a great sales training program would encompass all of that. Do you have a um, one, maybe several, ooh, this is my all-time favorite sales book? Is there is there a sales Bible? I mean, I know someone's got that title as one of their books. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the book but, uh, by it, Jeffrey Gittimer. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. But Passing by Gittimer. Uh, do you have a book that's like you really like that deals with I mean, I know I've got my one of my favorites, but do you have an, like an all-time favorite that talks about it? Well, um, I always love uh, Tom Hopkins' book. It's an old one, How to Master the Art of Selling. I think that's great. And then, of course, um, I may be dating myself a little bit, but there's a, a treasury, actually, of books written, written by the late, great Og Mandino, and that's uh, the greatest salesperson in the world. And Ooh, yes. that is, oh, it's wonderful. And so many of these concepts and theories hold true because, you know, Technology changes, the world changes, customers change, but the one thing that doesn't change is the human element of selling, and that's, that's what, so much of what that book is about. How about you, Bill? What would be your favorite? Something well, that you wrote, maybe. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, I've got, honestly, probably 150 selling books here. But one mm-hmm. of my, not my it, it, absolute favorites, Christine, but one of my all-time best reads 
this little book called The Art of Influencing Customers to Buy from You. Have you heard of oh. that before? Are you making points or what? <laughs> uh, I, 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 Christine, I'm a sales guy. <laughs> for everybody listening, you wrote, right? Yes, I did write it, and it was uh, one of my – actually, it was the second book I wrote, and um, that one was a little – came a little easier, but it's the basic skills on basic selling skills, and, uh, you know, it's practically – it's pretty much sales one-on-one, everything you need to know about selling, and whether it's in person, at a store, at a trade show, as an independent business owner, as a retailer, but uh, thank you for mentioning that. That's very nice of you. Well, when we, when we talk about selling, be it retail or outbound, you know, there are some things, like you just said, Christine, that are standards, standard modus operandi, if you will. And uh, the basic steps of selling, in my opinion, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years really hasn't changed as significantly, but I agree with you. You know, now it's all about the vehicles and how things are coached and the tools you get, you know, you use to get somebody and and build rapport. But I agree, too, that, you know, I mean, it really still is a very human. People buy from people they know, they like, and they trust. Right. Absolutely. And the other thing is that you can never forget. You, you can be the smartest person in the world and have all the features and benefits memorized and tr- truly, truly believe in the product or service that you sell. But you can't sell anything unless you can make a connection with people and that you can have people like you and trust you. If you can't do that, you can't sell anything. So you have to make a connection first, meaning establish some kind of a connection, a rapport, shall we say, with people. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, people are wonderful business people, but they don't have those interpersonal skills. I've seen it over and over again where they're wonderful at what they do, the technical side of the business, et cetera. They understand uh, their customer, their industry, but they just don't have those interpersonal skills. And I believe you can go a lot further if you have that. Don't you agree, Tom? I was thinking of um, some of the adages I was taught in learning how to sell, and one of them was um, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. Okay. Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. And the other one was, people do not buy because they understand. People buy because they think you understand. Excellent. Excellent. I would, also, yeah, I would also add to that, people buy by emotion and justify by logic. Yep, I've heard, heard that aspect to it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's also why you when you sell, you sell by by features because it's your appealing to the emotional side of whatever it is. I don't buy a t-shirt because it's cotton. I can buy a t-shirt because it may be colorful or it feels gray or something like that. Or, uh, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, geez, someone's going to come over and go, ooh, I like that little shirt you've got on. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's what I want, someone to observe what I bought and say, I really like what you bought. Mm-hmm. And, of course, when a person asks you about your t-shirt, you say to them, well, how much would you pay for it? Right? True. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, anyway. Um, but, I, I, you know, I, what I do, you know, I think that there are some things, Christine, that uh, that really need some, some attention, and you're the person that can address them. For example, the importance of listening, number one, and you touched on this before, too, the translation of features and the benefits. We have to an hour to talk about that. But those are some things that I think would be important for listeners to hear. Mm-hmm. And you may the first thing you said was listening. And the thing I always say to my audiences and clients is, why is it so hard for us to listen? And um, well, if you're in the if you're in the um, business scenario where you're selling, it's hard for us to listen because we keep thinking of what we're going to say next. We're on the edge of our seat saying, oh, I've got to say this and I've got to say that. And the other reason we have difficulty listen, listening is because we keep thinking of everything else we have to do. So when you listen, you have to really, really focus. And if you listen and focus in and, and just you know, take your time, uh, then you can just listen to what your the the challenges that your 
customer is having or what they're looking for or their desire or what problems they had in the past, and you'll know exactly what to say. So listening is just so very important. And uh, I'm speaking for myself as a professional speaker. <laughs> I have to work at that a lot. It's easy for me to, uh, to talk a lot because I talk a lot in front of audiences. But when they throw questions at me, I really have to listen. And when I am selling my own services, I really have to listen very carefully. So, and, so you know, listening is really very, very important. How about um, making the transition, Christine, with person? Uh, one of our experiences in our all of my years of business was that quite often a customer knows what they want, but they don't know what it is that they need. And if I let them always go home with what they want, I stand a pretty good chance that uh, they're going to be disappointed in what they bought, not because the quality right. of the product or service is wrong, but right. it's, it's not what they thought it could be. And I see that as my failure of I didn't engage the customer correctly to find out mm-hmm. what were they really wanting to buy. You know, I, I think at this right. point it's like people are not buying a product. They're not buying a service. They're buying a solution. Absolutely. We're selling solutions to their problems. We're selling them something that will increase their productivity. We're selling them something that will save them time, prevent loss, maintain what they have, all those other great things. Um, very true, very true. But uh, in response to, uh, to what you're saying, you know, yes, you can, it's important to listen to what they tell you they want. And then I believe a great phrase to use after that would be, okay, and then say, here's something you might want to consider. Um, customers who make the decision to purchase this come back and tell us, that and then you'd reinforce the benefits of whatever it is that you sell. So in other words, it's not making the customer ever feel foolish, but it's educating them. Here's something else you might want to consider. Or, oh, that's good. So those, those are some of the things that, you know, and say, well, here's something that um, I think you should know about, or here's, like I said, something you want to consider. Not to get redundant, which I just did, but <laughs> but I think that's really a really important thing to do is say, here's what's going to give you the most bang for your buck, or here's what, what's going to get you, here's what is going to really make you the most happy. Okay, here's, here's what, it, what is going to give you um, everything you're looking for and then more. So I think that's, uh, those are some things. It's, it's not always what you say, it's how you say it. And, of course, if you do not come, come across as genuine and sincere and you do not give real-world examples of someone who, for example, used your landscaping services and decided they wanted to do uh, one thing instead of another, then... Um, you're selling your short, yourself short, and you're leaving money on the table. And so, but you have to be genuine and sincere, or people are not going to buy anything. Because if they think you're just trying to close the sale and you're not helping, I'm a believer that selling is helping. If you come across like you truly want to help people and that you have their best interest at heart, I think that's great. So I've got a question from somebody, and um, their question deals with that they are uh, in a business, and they are not seeing a, uh, I like for a better word, uh, a, a leadership, a direction from the person who owns the business, and they're, they're commenting, saying, I, I'm not seeing that, that yeah. our sales are coming through as they could because it's like we're not getting... Uh, a yeah. buy-in or a push, yeah. so to speak, from the person who owns the business. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I have such a strong opinion on that, and I'd like to hear what you think, Bill and Tom, but I believe that is one of the most frustrating things is to have uh, work for or with, shall we say, um, an owner or a manager 
who does not really uh, buy into teamwork, customer service excellence, being proactive in complaint prevention, sales training, ingratiating themselves with the customer. They're they're closed-minded. They do things a certain way. That is the most frustrating thing. That's why I say everything starts and stops with leadership. Show me a great leader, and I'll show you a successful business and a great company um, because leaders – you know, understand that they can't do it alone and they have to follow. So our, the individual who asked this question is probably saying, what should I do? <laughs> so you have two choices. Um, just uh, say nothing and keep coasting or step up to the plate, all right, and say to them alone, of course, is Mr. or Ms. So-and-so. Now, I was wanted to share with you, have you considered and then – Tell them how, A, it is affecting you personally, B, how it is affecting your team, and then C, how it ultimately affects, affects customers and potential customers. But you have to be bold in order to do that, and you have to be so tactful. You might even approach it like, there's been something I wanted to talk to you about in a, uh, for a long time, and please, I hope you're not offended. And it's, uh, I question whether I should say this to you, but I hope that um, I'm working uh, in an environment where I do feel free to speak my mind. What do you think, Bill? Well, you know, I, I agree with you that if, if, it's, if it's not bought into at the top, it's not going to go anywhere. And from a personal business experience in the total quality management business from a while back, that was the biggest failure of those programs is people thought that they know what they wanted, but when they got into it, they realized that wasn't even what they were thinking about. And I know that sounds like a bit of a riddle, but, you know, if the people need structure in life, um, you know, they do better if they have parameters. And the parameters don't have to be Marvelian, but, you know, asking a person to go out and sell a lot or, or just on their own come up with good uh, customer relations practices it's like asking a person to come back from someplace they've never been. And, you know, if somebody breaks the rules and they fail and you haven't set the parameters as a boss, then it's your fault, not theirs. And so, yes, I agree with both of you, you know, with, with, with that whole concept. Um, if, a boss, you know, if a boss only cares, well, there's a leader and a boss. And obviously, right. you guys have leaders. You know, and a boss is just a boss. I don't hate to say that, but the boss is out there listening. You know, um, but if, if you're not going to back your employees and give them the tools that they need to help your business become more successful, then, you know, your failure is the only you know, person you can blame failure on is yourself. Right. And and it may be that it may not always be the tools and the skills they need. It may be their business philosophy. It may be um, processes and procedures. It may be something that needs to be fixed. It may be um, that the organization has a terrible lack or even mediocre lack, uh, uh, communication or a, a lack of communication, and the boss doesn't want to do anything about it. And, you know, as you know, communication within an organization is very important. If, you know, service excellence doesn't occur on the inside, it can never occur on the outside. And okay, I'm... Go ahead. I'm sorry, Kristen. Go ahead. That, well, I was just going to say, I mean, that's why I say everything starts and stops with leadership. And so, and I hear this over and over again, and it's very frustrating to work with someone. You've, for any initiative to succeed, and I know every one of us here, the three of us are on the same page, for any initiative to succeed, for any business to experience growth and profitability, it, people have to have the direction of the leader. The leader has to take the bull by the horns, face their challenges head on, involve their people with problem solving, idea sharing, listen to their people, and content, you know, improve even with their own leadership skills. Well, before I close, I want to point out, you know, and Ed, I think, and, and both you and Tom, you want to get your feedback on this now. It was, you know, I happen to be a boomer. And uh, I think the way that boomers live their lives and do, do work and their service in their business community is different than the way Gen Xs did and most certainly different than millennials. Millennials want a buy-in. They want to be part of the effort. They want to be engaged. And I think that's something that is becoming increasingly more important for business you know, managers and owners to recognize. 
Don't you guys think so? Well, <laughs> I think it's important to listen to people across the generations. I think you need to listen to the younger generation because they have all these fresh ideas, but I think you need to listen to the older generation because they have the experience. So, yeah, I mean, and that's why diversification even um, across generations is, is very, very good. Very important to have that in a company and listen to all of them. Is that answering, you know, is that kind of answering your question or, you know, did I answer where you, what you were looking to um, have me Discuss. I mean, that's a, you know, I was just trying to get some validation because, you know, you, you know, you have to mirror your your customers, whoever they may be, in some respect. You know, um, but you know, if there's not a recognition on top level as to what's expected of a salesperson, if you will, because we're talking selling in this play, you know, situation, then mm-hmm. you know, you're kind of setting them up for failure. It's that simple. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we have take up station break and put in here. Um, before we take it, let me tell everyone about our program tonight um, for e-retailer conversation, February uh, 12th, 2015. Uh, our guest tonight is Christine Corelli. Uh, here's how to find Christine, the author of Wake Up and Smell the Competition. Online, you find her at christinespeaks.com. Fairly easy, and she spells it C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, christinespeaks.com. If you want to write her a letter, it's cc as in Christine Corelli, cc at christinespeaks.com. Or her office phone number is 847-581-9968. That's 847-581-9968. With that, we take a quick station break here. This is E-Retailer Conversations on PBN, the Profitable Business Network. And so we thank everyone for joining us tonight. We have a uh, conversation that we are asking Christine about the idea uh, with regard to sales. Uh, she had picked a topic to bring to us, and the idea was, was along the lines of uh, uh, shoppers, lookers are, are good, but buyers are a whole lot better, and that's that's who we're looking for is people who are buyers. And um, so let me ask this question, Christine. With the idea of, of selling, Art, science. What do you? T- what's your take? Oh, that was an imp- a, a good question you threw at me. <laughs> okay. Uh, all I'll right. tell the person who sent it. You said thanks. Okay. Here's all right. Uh, there is an art. Okay, to a selling. Okay, and there is an art to building relationships, of course, and the art is understanding that you, it's the words, the phrases, how you come across, um, all those things that make people great. And by the way, there, you don't, there's no such thing as a born salesperson. You know, there, yes, there are some people out there that have personalities where they can influence a, an Eskimo to buy a snowball, but yeah, there's an art there's an art to selling, an art to building relationships, but there's a science behind it. And if you study the works of Robert Cialdini, the science is, you know, uh, scarcity. If you say that, you know, if you say something is scarce, then that's a science behind the fact that, well, customers will buy from you. If, if there's social proof, in other words, if you have a product or service or testimonials all over your website, um, and an incredible reputation for service excellence and quality of product, um, then that's social proof. So that will influ- influence people to buy. If you are an expert, if you have expertise in a, um, an area, a topic, that will influence people. So that's the science behind why people will buy from you. Um, here's another thing that there's so much talk about late- lately is they like to do business with people who feel connected. So if you want to learn more about the science, look up the works of Robert Cialdini, and he's been studying this for years, um, and he is considered an authority on it, and just you know, type in the science. That is the science behind it. There's the science, absolutely. And I believe part of that science is, of course, psychology. What influences people to buy? Preserve what I have. 
Um, people who sell insurance are always trying to preserve what they have. Don't let it fall apart. If, if you uh, are in the landscaping business and you have beautiful landscaping, but your, your current landscaper uh, is uh, retiring and you have a wonderful, beautiful landscape design and beautiful flowers and shrubs, but y- you want to preserve what you have, you do it that way. Um, a financial advisor um, can help you from losing money in investments. So there's there's a big science behind that. How did I answer that question? <laughs> well, I agree. I do want to say, being an, uh, an older advertising guy, that that how the yellow pages um, that was the premise of all every one of their sales calls. It was the, the uh, fear of loss and the desire for gain. Right. Increase productivity, save time, right? All that other good stuff. And and eliminate risk. Right, eliminate risk. You know, so whatever it is that you sell, um, you have to figure out what is it that I can do to help people. So um, buy this piece of equipment because you'll have easier maneuverability. You'll be more comfortable. It'll increase your productivity. You'll be able to um, do, do your job faster, those types of things. And, you know, we have so many different listeners, on, uh, uh, so it's kind of hard to gear it toward any one particular business. But all of, all of that is behind the science and the psychology of selling. Okay. Uh, so I, I'll answer your um, natural-born salesperson perspective. Uh, I think that how people get branded as a natural-born salesperson is that it's often someone young age, and they are just very perceptive at what gets someone's attention. I think a, a child who watches... Ooh, this is getting an adult's smile, look at them, giggle, talk to them, whatever, and go, hmm, what did, you know, the smart ones figure out, what did I do, what did I say that got that person to look at me? What got them to lighten up and enjoy themselves, whatever? And that person, not saying, well, someday I'm going to be a salesperson, whatever it may be, they're, they're going, that's what got that person's attention. That got them to look at me. And then they try variations on it. And as they try variations on it, then they slowly but surely build up a a repertoire. And when you get them, uh, say, 16 years old, and you take that 16-year-old and you put them to work at, say, Chick-fil-A for their very first job ever, you go, how does this person outsell everybody else that works here? Well, they they look at what what makes people smile, and they're, they're very much so in tune with people, it's, uh, my contention has always been it's, it's the facial expressions and it's the tone of voice that gets them. So speaking of tone of voice, um, then I have, we have another question I want to ask uh, after we take our station break. Bottom of the hour, station break time. Let's see, what do I need to tell everyone? We are here February 12th, e-retailer conversations each month by the way this is recorded this is on profits plus website later tonight you can share it with folks christine corelli who wrote wake up and smell the competition is our guest tonight find her online christinespeaks.com send her an email cc at christinespeaks.com and our phone number is 847-581-9968 and with that being said um we got another uh Time for a station break, and we'll ask Christine when we come back. So why did you pick these two songs for us to play tonight?
Okay, so we got to stop at that point because we got too much more we want to talk to about Christine. All right, so Christine, tell us the story, the secret behind the two songs that you had us play for you tonight. <laughs> well, um, you know, of taking care of business, you know, um, the reason that I, I like that song is because when you're a business owner, you have a big job in a company, uh, it, it's challenging. Business is tough, real tough. Um, the economy is picking up, and, and that's great. But um, you always got to take care of the business. I just came uh, from what was supposed to be a four-day vacation in Scottsdale with friends, but I was working every morning from 5 in the morning till about noon and then answering emails and all my friends that live out there kept saying, oh, you, you know, come on, you shouldn't be working nights. You've got to take care of business. Business first, business first. And so I think business owners, you know, are challenged by, uh, you know, that they always have to take care of business. And um, they, they have to make sure that they spend time thinking about it and taking care of what needs to be taken care of, but they also need to set time aside for the creative side of the business. You know, what do I need to do? What are, what are some of the things I need to do in 2015, even though we're already in February? And uh, what should be my major strategic initiative? What's going to, what can I do right now that's going to impact business growth and profitability? So always taking care of the business, the business, the business. And then the, uh, the other song is just a song that I like very much. And, uh, and, and there are some lyrics in there that, um, that I like very much that make me think, remind me not to lose my passion for the business, to have direction for the business, not to uh, be, be taking the mid, midnight, I'm sorry, midnight train to anywhere. Um, you know, never stop. You know, lose it. Don't don't ever lose your passion for the business. You know, have clear direction. Know what you want to do. And I think one of the things that business owners, managers, retailers, independent business owners, we get caught up in what I call the inertia of the business. You know, in the to dos and everything we've got to do and take care of customers. All the inertia, all the things that we have to do, and rarely do we slow down and take a deep breath and figure out what we need to do to take our business to the next level. So that's kind of uh, why I like those two songs. Cool. Hmm, okay. So here's another question that I've got. And this person says, if I have to make a choice when I'm going to hire somebody, hire for personality or hire for product knowledge? What do I, I do? Know. Well, Bill, I think you should answer first. I've been talking and talking. I want to be. I don't want to be the 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 hog here. <laughs> this is your show. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I was going to make a kind of that tough statement about salesperson people, and I definitely do not believe that salespeople are born not made, because selling is a learned process. Just like when you're a little kid, you learn that. If you do this, there's ramifications. You know, if you put your hand on a hot stove, you're probably not going to want to do that again. And anything that's that's learned can be unlearned. So this kind of segues very well into your question, Tom, and that I think that a person that has the propensity to interface well and relate well to people, that is something that is very difficult to teach, whereas product knowledge is a slam dunk. You can go to 3.5 in a number of industries, and they can learn it on their own at, at, at night over a computer and get get rewards for doing it. So, I mean, that's my opinion. What do you think, Christine? Well, let's use this as an example. I've seen this over and over and over again in many different industries where a person is so knowledgeable, so competent, so adept, at the technical side or whatever it is that they need to know. They're so great at that, and then they become, uh, they get hired as managers, but they're never trained for it, or they don't have the sales attitude. So the question was, you know, should I hire for attitude, train for skills? If a person has a desire, you know, to really excel in sales, they can do it. 
Um, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, there was a young woman who um, was actually a, a background in engineering, and um, she had no clue how to sell, but the president of the company believed in her, and he gave her this opportunity, and she'd make so much more money instead of having just teaching people how to work a machine and she'd make so much more money in sales. So he gave her coaching. She worked very, very hard. Um, he gave her one-on-one -on -one coaching. So, you know, there you go. If you have a person who has the desire, they can excel. Um, but it also depends on how technical uh, a person has to be. Because, but, you know, hire for attitude. I'll hire somebody with a great attitude if they're smart enough you know, that's where you have to, you know, talk to them, listen to them, find out about their background, look at their resume. What can you bring to the table? So, you know, that'd be, those would be some of the things that would be of concern to me. What about you, Tom? What do you think? I'm the, I want the personality. I, I do not know how to treat, teach personality. And that may be it's Tom's shortcoming. But I look at it, if there's something I've got to teach, uh, I'll teach you products. Uh, I can teach you selling skills. I can't teach you. Uh, it, it's kind of like in a sales situation, there, there are people who can, in conversation with a customer, can get by with the touch, literally touching the customer, whether it be on an arm, whether it be on a shoulder or something like that. There's a person who, in working with a customer, has the ability that when they're done, to, that they can give them a, literally give them a hug. Hey, thanks, boy. It was good to see you. And I, I see that as there's, a, there's something in the personality. There's something that a, a person comes to the point where they feel comfortable enough with a, an individual that they would do that. And I go, I, I don't know how to teach that. I do not know how to teach getting to that point. But right. I can teach you, as you said, I can teach you the products. I'll get you to any of the products you want there. Uh, I just can't teach that that touchy thing. That's that yeah, the interpersonal skills. The interpersonal side. It's just like if if someone starts up a business, or just as the the one question about the leader. If the leader doesn't possess the leadership skills and have the ability to influence people to follow his or her lead, then how can a business grow and prosper and succeed? I agree. You know, and Tom, what you just said makes perfect sense because we've all had experience when you walk into a room and you see somebody and for some unknown, mysterious reason, you automatically think to yourself, I like that person. Mm -hmm. Or I want to get to know that person. Yeah. You know, I mean, and it's, it's all really coming down to what you brought up at the beginning, Christine, about the, the importance and the absolute necessity of being able to build rapport. Mm -hmm. And that's what rapport mm -hmm. is. You know, and right. saying, you know, as I say, you can teach your, you know, now granted, if you're teaching somebody about a incredibly, how to build a, a rocket engine, you know, then, you know, one geek is talking to another geek, but you know what, those people still have likes and dislikes too. Right. So, you know, I mean, you can be incredibly intelligent people, but if you can't communicate to somebody, you're not going to do nothing. Absolutely. Okay, so I've got one. Um, well, I had it now, and I'll lay the piece of, piece of paper aside here. <laughs> All right. I, I mean, I got to dig it. Continue on the discussion here. I, I, I laid the piece of paper down with this question that someone wrote on. It's like, oh, sorry to somebody. Oh, my gosh. I have to find it. Okay. Um, we have to talk about next month. What? Next month. Oh, you know what we're going to do next month? We are going to, you know, we talk about, you know, in this conversation, we talked about leadership uh, capabilities. And, uh, you know, but you know, I think a lot of business owners, regardless of whether the retailer or alcohol or whatever, you know, they need to keep in mind that they have to start planning for a time when they want to, hang, you know, hang up the hat and go do other stuff. And, uh, you know, so, you know, it, it becomes a succession scenario or, you know, even if you reverse that and you have somebody that says, I've always wanted to be in this business, or it's an acquisition. And I think if memory serves me to correct Mr. Shea, we're having some sort of succession uh, 
gentleman on here to give our uh, listeners the ins and outs of how to get into a business or get out of a business. Is that correct? Bill, got an awesome guest coming to join us for March 12th. This is a guest we've had before. Uh, he had probably the biggest number of questions asked of him by all kinds of people, and he's going to be talking to us from the cold north of Indianapolis. Coming to us from Castle Wealth Advisors in Indianapolis, our guest once again is Michael Kalsher. Michael, are you there? Yes, I'm here, Tom. Thanks. So we're going to talk about selling, right? We're going to talk about selling out and going to do something else or retiring? Exactly right. Exactly right. I think one of the things that we get a lot of questions on in in our industry is how do I sell? Uh, when should I sell? Uh, but probably the the biggest issue that comes up is um, who would want to buy my business? You know, uh, a lot of uh, business owners underestimate the worth of their business, and so we try to talk to them about. Hey, your your business is valuable, um, and there and I guarantee you, somebody out there would be interested in buying uh, a successful business like yours. So, um, we'll talk a, a little bit about uh, ideas on how to find that person. Uh, more importantly, how do you increase that value? Um, you know, you and I have talked about things about uh, ways to increase that value by using uh, ad backs and things of that nature, but uh, it's all about uh, finding the, the right person, but also finding the right price so that you can ride off into the sunset when you want to. So we're going to agree that the idea of running a, uh, a liquidation sale is not going to put the most money in your pocket for you, and it's probably going to create a problem that if you own the building, that building's not worth as much when it's an empty building as compared to one that's got a, an ongoing business like yours right now. So everyone needs to come in and listen to us on Thursday, March 12th, and hear what Michael's got to say uh, to give you some really great information. Because, uh, Michael, would I be safe in saying that in listening to you, uh, we're going to help somebody put... Uh, a few more dollars in their own pocket or perhaps keep a few more dollars in their own pocket? Yeah, that's exactly right. It's all about how much you uh, you end up with in your pocket at the end of the day. So that's what we're going to focus on. So everyone, join Michael, who is coming to us from Castle Wealth in Indianapolis. He's a great guest. We'll be with you for Thursday night, March 12th. Be there be ready to learn. With that, Michael, thanks for your time, and Bill, it's back to you. Uh-oh. Wow. <laughs> well, I, I do have, uh, uh, Christine, I do have a, uh, a question that I'd like to ask you, and that is, okay. you know, uh, there are things, for example, in the retail industry, one of the things you do not ever want your sales associates to say when it comes to the is, good morning, may I help you? Oh, that is so boring. <laughs> then you just sound like everybody else. Boring, 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 boring. No. Uh, oh, I'm so passionate about this. Christine, hold on, because I want to take this a little step further. Okay, go ahead. We know you don't want to say that. Uh, it puts you in a box, you know, if they say, no, thanks, I'm just looking, then you got to go away and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Now, having said that, there are no phrases that are true silver bullets. But having said that, too, I know you have quite an opinion of things that people can say to, to get conversations going and to learn, you know, get to the all-important question that any salesperson should know, and it's getting to the why. Can you give us, share with us some of those phrases? And oh, I am so happy you asked me this question because I feel passionate about it. Okay, this is especially true for independent retailers that are listening. Um, anyone who has a, a storefront or spe speaks to people um, in that manner is when they walk into your place of business, into your facility, there's nothing better than, hi, I'm John. How are you? What brings you in today? Or weather, how's that weather out there? Or be careful. I'm glad you didn't fall on the ice. I was looking at you coming in. What brings you in today? 
and uh, and you listen, and then you know right away what to say. Um, and, and I think that is really important. You just say, hi, I'm not, how are you today? I think that is really important to do. And then if you have to say something close to, can I help you, instead of that, say, hi, I'm Joe. How can I help you today? <laughs> I think that's a, a good thing and very casual, very conversational. And my store today, or yeah, what you brings you in? Um, hey, would you like me to direct you to the sales item? Um, you know, and and that I think is really so important. And uh, you know, is how you greet somebody. Nice to see you. Thanks for coming in. What can I do to help you? That kind of thing. Well, you know, and the same thing. If I may just interject something in here, even though you know this example is for retail, that same concept. Extrapolated to knockout selling too. I'm sorry, I did not hear what you said, Bill. Could you please repeat it? Well, I, I said that that same concept, in a way, can be extrapolated to outbound selling. You walk into a business, you know. Uh, for example, when you entertain people at your home and somebody knocks on the door, the very first thing you, you don't say to them, "What kind of drink would you like?" You say to them, "Hi, how are you tonight? May I take your coat? Come on in." Yada yada yada. There's a procedure. And we talked about mm-hmm. somebody walking in a retail store, but if you look at the outbound, the very first thing is you need to ingratiate yourself with the person at the front desk or the receptionist. And don't ask them, well, I'm here to see Christine Crowley. It's right. like, well, how do you think it's going to rain? You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm doing a program uh, on how to be successful behind the counter. And uh, and I know, Tom, you've written some great articles on that topic. And um, I believe you talk a lot about that in your presentations. But, um, you know, that person behind the counter can make you or break you. And when I see somebody that's not uh, actually having that sound of voice, you know, here, I'm here, I'm ready, I'm willing, anxious to serve, how can I help you? You know, what more can I show you? Um, and then, of course, it's important to teach them to upsell. You know, would you like this? And so that is uh, very, very important to have somebody behind that counter that's super great. And top-performing businesses, they make sure that 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 person is the meter, the, the greeter, the person that is more knowledgeable. And I, I, I think in order to sell, your people have to be more knowledgeable and have better skills, far superior skills than any competitor. And people that are more knowledgeable than any competitor, that's what makes businesses great. I want to go into this place of business and buy from them because of how they make me feel and because they're smart and they're helpful and they're always, it's consistently great service. And I know they're going to help me. That's uh, one way to battle the big box, you know, the big, big stores. You're always going to have the battle of the big box or the bigger businesses. Um, but that's, that's the differentiating factor. It's the people in your organization, regardless of the size, size that a competitor can never duplicate. But they do need superior communication skills and the in, uh, interpersonal skills that go with that. Well, I, I've heard it said that there is a natural price elasticity of demand at 10%. In other words, 10% isn't really enough to dissuade somebody from buying from you or not buying from you. Do you agree with that? You know, like if I offer an item for $11 and my competitor offers it for 10 Chances are somebody's not going to have to do business with me and run over there for a dollar savings. Do you think that's a legitimate thing to say? You know, it's really funny. This is a whole different era. Um, yes, unfortunately, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this, the, the cold, harsh reality that we have to face is that there are people out there that will go out of their way to save a dollar or to say, well, you know, I, I got some quotes and I can get it from so-and-so for less money, that kind of a thing. But um, <laughs> then there again, there are people like myself who patronize businesses and individuals 
who are selling products, services, and or where I shop personally, and and things like that because of the quality, because of the service, the reputation, the people, and I know I'm going to be happy. And it's also how they make me feel when I do business with them. They make me feel important. They make me feel like they care about me. They make me feel like they want to help my solve my problems. They do things for me that I never expected them to do. They always do a little more than the customer expects, and you're so happy with them. That's what makes businesses great. That is what makes small businesses great. So that, that's how I that. feel. Do you agree with that, Tom? Yeah. I'm sorry. There, there's always going to be a person out there, always going to be a person who is going to buy something according to price. Matter of fact, there, I would go so far as to say every person is going to buy something according to price. Yep. I'm yep. just not going to be one of them. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> the way I think I have to look at my business. Yeah, it's going to happen. I'm just going to do something where I'm not one of it. Mm-hmm. Or uh, my one of the other things I, I, I like to learn from the analogies, and that is uh, the gentleman who is the president of Intel, who once said, he who becomes a commodity last wins. Interesting. Well, there is no there, there is no loyalty if all purchases are based on price. And I and I call those people bottom feeders. You know, so. But Tom, I was you know I mean last month, Christine, we had a guest that was a great proponent of Main Street businesses. And Tom, I know that's your forte. So, uh, you know, I mean that's a scenario where yeah, you're not going to be able to compete with a Walmart's on a pair of uh, tube socks. The point is that it's not really the tube socks. It's the experience of going into a store and buying or, you know, going to a certain bar because they know your name and they like, like you know what I mean? It's, you know, it's, it's, it's an adventure for consumers. Don't you guys think so? Everything is going to be, when, when, some, when Bill's comment is, I can't compete with Walmart on a pair of tube socks. Tell me how you're measuring competition. Are you t- saying by price? You are correct. Are you saying by who's closer to your home or who I can get in and out of the store the quickest? Then I, I win that one. Right. So it becomes a point of saying you can't compete. Let's, let's decide how you want to measure. Right. Yeah, there's there's there are a lot of varying factors there. A lot of varying factors. But again, I, I still believe the harsh reality is is there are always going to be those people out there that are prices the bottom line. Then there are other people that say I won't go to that place of business because I feel like nothing but uh, an ant, just one fish in a big sea. But I like going to this place because I get this great feeling. I get a great selection. I love the people. They're knowledgeable. So you know, then then that's value. But the, the challenge is value is defined in the customer's own mind. Value is always determined in the customer's mind. So, yeah. Well, in, in, in being successful at value uh, leads to a certain sound that uh, in a few minutes time is going to play for our listeners. It's our, it's our end of the show mantra, correct, Mr. Shea? It's our favorite song. Uh-oh. It's what we <laughs> like best. So, with that being said, let me tell uh, everyone where we've been tonight, what we've done, and uh, give a couple of rounds of thanks. You've been with us tonight for the February 12, 2015 e-retailer conversation. Our guest tonight was Christine Corelli. Christine is a uh, conference speaker. She writes magazine columns. She's uh, written five business books, including one that uh, was entitled Wake Up and Smell the Competition. And uh, Christine can be found online at christinespeaks.com, Christine as in C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, speaks.com, phone number of 847-581-9968, or an email address of cc at christinespeaks.com. 
And, Christine, with that, we say thank you that you would come and uh, take an hour because I know that you were traveling today. And uh, when I spoke to you this afternoon, had just gotten in at the airport and uh, rushed home and, I guess, got a bite to eat and uh, promptly jumped on the call with us. And we we would thank you that you would um, be kind enough to put us on the front of the things to do tonight that you come and sit down and, and talk with Bill and I. Uh, it was a delight talking to you again, Christine. It was my pleasure. I hope you invite me back again. Well, we we would do that. We, uh, we've been doing this uh, a bunch of years now. I think we're uh, six or seven years that we've been doing this monthly uh, get-together, and uh, it it's, it's, it is a lot of fun. Uh, let's see. I but like with that being said. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. ma'am? I was just going to say, I like that you do it in the evening because people – uh, can listen from home. They can listen on speakerphone. I think that's great. So a closing thought before I play the music um, is is just a little uh, oddity. And this is we're talking tonight about the topic of improving your sales skills. Uh, come to, down to it. Bottom line, anything about improving your sales skills is uh, your responsibility. You, know, you read some of the books. You attend classes. You find uh, opportunity to practice, which is a big item in our business. Uh, and I say that thinking about, uh, as I read online earlier today, tomorrow is a, a national holiday. Uh, oddly enough, the first Friday the 13th, you ready for this? Tomorrow is Friday the 13th. The first Friday 13th of the year is National Blame Somebody Else Day. <laughs> <laughs> and, right? so, and as tomorrow is National Blame Somebody Else Day, now that you've had an hour here with Christine, uh, the answer is no, you can't. No, you can't. It's up to you. Well, and with that, Christine, this is uh, this is our favorite song. Okay. Thanks, everybody. We're glad you're here with us tonight. Had a good time. Christine, thank you. It's been our pleasure to share fresh ideas and trends from premier small business owners, coaches, and resources. Join Tom Shea and guests again next month for e-retailer conversations right here on PBN, the Profitable Business Network. This is PBN. Hey, Tom, thank you very much for having me as your guest. Well, this was, this was fun. We're glad you, you could come and be with us. We had a great time. We, uh, thank you so much. We enjoyed much. the show. Now, it will be... Um, let me take a look in here and see how quick it starts showing up. The uh, recording will be up there. Uh, it just depends on how quick it takes this thing to uh, show up here in the mailbox for me. And I take and um, send it over to a guy in Orlando, and he massages it and makes it become something. Okay. And about uh, shortly thereafter, boom, here it shows up on the, on the website. So if you've got people that you would like to uh, you know, share it with, want them to hear it there, or if you want to take in your newsletter, want to link to it and say, hey, here, take it. All right, very good. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll, we'll talk again soon. And, Bill, we should chit-chat sometime as well. I would like that, Chris. You know, you know Tom, I wanted to tell you, we kind of had to close up early, but when you brought up uh, tomorrow's National Blame, Somebody else day? Yeah. You know why Friday the 13th is called Friday the 13th, don't you? Because Thursday's the 12th? No, because apparently Friday the 13th was when the King of France, way back when, decided to try to exterminate the Knights Templar. That's actually the reason it's Friday the 13th. But I want, that's not what I was growing up, but I wanted to say something because 
There is an old saying of a boss who says to one of his employees, I never said it was your fault. I just said I was going to blame you. <laughs> and you think you're blame somebody else. Yeah. Bill, what is, your, what is your email, Bill? Adorjan, A-D-O-R-J-A-N at AOL.com. A is an apple, B is in David, O-R. J-A-N at AOL.com. Okay, I'm going to send you guys um, a cute cartoon regarding our subject here about National Blame Day. <laughs> okay, I hope it comes through on AOL and doesn't get up in junk mail. Hey, have a, have a good evening, everybody. Thanks, Christine. All right, bye, y'all. I'm going to sit here in the studio and uh, crank this thing up and get it ready to, as soon as it comes down the pipe, put it on the website. So help, help yourselves to <laughs> okay. it. Thanks for being there. Oh, thank you so much, Tom. Take care. Bye bye. Take care. See you later. Bye. Bye. I'll give you a jingle in the morning, guys. Okay. Sounds good. See ya. Bye. Bye.